Welcome to Fueling the Revenue Engine. My name is Roz Greenfield, co-founder and chief enablement officer at Level 213. This podcast was created as a response to requests that we've gotten from the enablement community, looking for resources to support them during these unprecedented times. As we ride out this global COVID-19 pandemic, we believe that this is a great time to connect with other enablement leaders for discussions that take a closer look at relevant enablement topics. It's our hope that the podcast provides insight, guidance, and support to the go-to-market enablement and sales leadership communities during these difficult times. We're coming to you during the shelter in place. Personally, I'm in downtown San Francisco. I hope you're all hanging in there and we appreciate your understanding that we can't record this in a proper studio. So please forgive any background noises that we can't edit out, being that I, for one, am sheltering in place in one of the noisiest parts of San Francisco. And many of our podcast guests that we're meeting with virtually, of course, are also in shelter in place situations where they can't necessarily control the background sound either. Today, we welcome our guest expert, Misha McPherson, one of the brightest minds in modern sales enablement today. And we're going to be talking about the what, why, and how of sales enablement. So welcome, Misha. We're so happy to have you and really appreciate the time you're spending with us today. Uh, love to start with knowing where are you sheltering in place and how are you holding up in our not-so-new normal? <laughs> so first of all, I am so excited to be here because you are my favorite <laughs> bright mind. This is a little bit of a love fest that's going on. <laughs> So where am I sheltering in place? So I am sheltering in place in beautiful, foggy Oakland, California. I am at home with dogs and cats and chickens, but luckily no, no screaming children. <laughs> oh, that's I, the, 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 the Oakland farm, right? Which the is Oakland amazing. Hippie, hippie little farm. Right? That's <laughs> my, my backyard. So thank you for, for taking the time to do this. So I wanted to start by acknowledging the evolution that sales enablement has made over the past decade since you and I entered the space. Um, but what I find very exciting is that sales enablement really just continues to evolve over time. So as a result, I think sales enablement has very different meanings for very different people. So I really would love to hear you define what you think sales enablement is today, what I might be referring to as modern sales enablement. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, you know, on this topic, I feel like there, first of all, I want to say that there's so, there's so much emphasis on the definition of sales enablement, but I, I actually do feel very strongly that different companies need a different form of sales enablement or revenue enablement, depending on their stage of company, depending yeah, sure. on their stage of, you know, what does our product marketing look like? How senior is their sales leadership? I feel like there's a lot of different aspects that come into play that determine what is what is sales enablement, uh, but the way that I think of it is is you know really we are we are this holistic organization that is simply there to remove the hurdles to sales success, and mm. what that really kind of means on a very you know very practical and tactical sort of a sort of a basis. Sometimes that is about really figuring out. Um, how do you scale up your sales teams? What are the tools that they need? What's the content that they need? What's the training that they need? What's the coaching and the, the leadership that they need? Um, some th sometimes that gets really much more into sell their sales strategy. Sometimes it means, you know, there's, what is their sales methodology, their sales process? There's a lot that goes into it. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I feel like sales enablement is the org who is responsible for making sure that we are either increasing revenue, decreasing cost, or increasing the productivity of the sales team. And when I say sales team, I mean, you know, the entire organization. It's, you know, everything from pre-sales, so SDRs and AEs, all the way through post. 
you know, so CSMs are, are a big part of our, a, a big part of our bucket as well. Yeah, so go-to-market or customer-facing individuals, which, which honestly today everyone sells, right? Any, anyone who interfaces with a customer is selling, so they all need to be enabled. So what I think I heard you say is that the definition of sales enablement or the, or the purpose or the function of sales enablement remains the same, but the execution of that might change or should change based on the stage of the company or the needs of the company. And as a company grows, it may shift and change over time. But fundamentally, the things that sales enablement is there to, to, um, to have an impact on really doesn't remain the same. Would, would that be a fair assessment of what you said? Absolutely. Yes, 100%. Yeah, and very much agree with you. I, you know, I think back, you know, to my career, and you know, in one company where I was, uh, where I established a sales enablement department, and then was there for about three years, and every year it was a different company, right? So every year my enablement had to be a little bit different. So I, I think it very, very much rings true, and ultimately to your point, it, it's about reducing roadblocks and increasing revenue. So how do you think about the impact that sales enablement has on revenue? If you were to try to be a little bit more didactic about that, what are some of the areas that someone should be thinking about when it comes to driving the revenue through sales enablement? Yeah, so let's talk about let's talk about revenue and then also let's talk about cost because cost is actually cost is actually something I really love talking about yeah. when it comes to sales enablement. But so revenue, right? So there are Big picture, are we making more money, right? <laughs> that's like that's what we're looking at. But then what I like to look at is is like let's break that down into the into the specifics, right? So when we're talking about increasing revenue, are we talking about larger sales? Are we talking about less days to, to close the deals? Mm -hmm. Are we talking about um, about new segments? Are we talking about new markets? What are we talking about? So when we're looking at increasing revenue, I think it's always really interesting to kind of break it into what are the things that we can actively go out and see if we can move the needle on, right? And that then starts getting into that, how do you develop your, your, your training, your sales plays, your, you know, the sales skills that will support, you know, doing that very specific thing that we're trying to do. I feel like where sales enablement has struggled a little bit is that, um, that it seems so big that we're not really testing to see if what we're doing is working. Hmm. Tell me more about what you mean by that. Yeah. So for example, if you hire, if, if you are a, if you're a CRO and you hire a you know, head of sales enablement to increase revenue, um, that revenue won't go up immediately, right? Like hmm. that's not going to happen. You're not going to do a training and then revenue goes up. That's, that's just not. Wait, we can't sprinkle fairy dust. We can't, there's very little unicorns in our, in our world. So, okay. So like, so if you are CRO and you hire a head of sales enablement to come in and increase revenue, how do you know it's working? Right. It's mm. at the end of the day, if you, revenue is a big ship often to start riding the course of. So what I really like to, what I really like to, to see is what is the specific thing that is causing the revenue team to not grow revenue the way that they should, mm. and then put in a program to start changing, um, put in a program in place to start actually changing that, and then we test it to see if it works. For example, um, you might find that your reps are having a really hard time going from the second call to the third call. You know, maybe it's from discovery to demo or whatever we're, we're, whatever they're actually doing. 
So the first step is really it's understanding why they're, ha why they're struggling to go from the second call to the third call or from one stage of the sales process to the next part of the sales, the next sales, the next part of the sales process. Um, start putting in a program in place to see if we can start fixing those problems. Maybe it's messaging, maybe it's skills, maybe it's how the managers are coaching to it. And then let's check the data. Did it work? Mm -hmm. Maybe it did. And, maybe and the data over time, because to your point, it's not going to be, you know, fairy dust, right? So what are the, what are going to be the leading indicators and what are going to be the lagging indicators and how do you know, what are the KPIs for success throughout it, right? Yeah, but yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really important for people to understand both the people being enabled, the sales leadership, the frontline sales managers that it's, it's, it, you know, I always refer to sales enablement as kind of like the liaisons or the curators, the people that kind of bring bridge everything together because we're, we, we're looking to your point at, you know, could, is it, is it a product problem? Is it, is it a product marketing problem? Is this a management problem or is it a skill problem and how can we, or what do we need to do? What programs do we need to include to be able to impact it? Because ultimately we're trying to drive revenue. So I, I love the way you're thinking about it and your advice here of like, what is the root cause that we're trying to get at? And ultimately thinking about it from a, from a program perspective is something that you, that I hear you say a lot rather than like a, a training quote unquote perspective. So, but just one of the things that I love about the way that you approach sales enablement, though, is that it goes so much beyond just curating or liaisoning, right? And I think that there is, I think that there is a style of sales enablement where you're just finding subject matter experts and you're bringing them together and you're essentially, you're event planning, right? And that's mm -hmm. it. Um, one of the things that I know that you do that's, that's very different from that, and it's something that I also really enjoy doing too, is, is get, getting our hands dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And how do you talk about the, the solutions, about the vision matching, about, you know, whatever language you want to use about the skills training? You know, yes, it's so important to have the sales leaders come in and, and have a voice in the room, um, but also making sure that sales enablement actually does have an opinion and a point of view about what are the skills that reps need. Yeah, and be a part of that strategy. And that kind of leads me to, to the next thing that I really want to talk about is, is if a sales enablement team has a clear charter of what they're trying to, to achieve to achieve the most success, and then they want to be able to share that with stakeholders, what, what has been your experience? What do, you, what do you think people should think about on when they, should, when they would go ahead designing this charter, designing the strategy, and then enrolling their stakeholders? What has been your experience and what can you share on that? Yeah, so one of the things that I always strongly suggest, and I teach this in the SASE sales enablement workshops as well, is start with, and you're calling it a charter, I call it a mission, it's same, same, right? It's what is, you know, what does this art organization do? What are, you know, what is, what is our objective? What does success look like? What is, what, what, why are we here? Right, and that has to be tied back to a language that your CRO and ultimately your CEO care about. So it has mm. to come back to revenue. It has to come back to costs, um, and then share that, share that, and share that again mm. with mm -hmm. executives, with your leadership, um, even the reps. Everybody should know what sales enablement is there for. There is um, sometimes there's this feeling of you know well we don't want sales enablement to be the cleanup crew. And I agree with that completely. Um, at the same time, um, and you and I have talked about this a lot, there's a lot of tactical stuff 
that we have to get involved in too. It's not all strategy. It's strategy plus tactics. Yeah, we have to straddle both of those. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And depending on the size of the team will depend on, you know, is there is there just a strategy person and then people that execute or are you the strategy and the executor, which many of us are. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so if you have the mission and you're sharing out the mission, then it, I think it's a lot easier to not get stuck in either you're just the, the person who has lots of ideas and you talk about it, um, or you're just the cleanup crew where you actually truly are a strategic tactical you know, left arm to the head of sales. Yeah, and, and I, I so agree with you. And I think to your point, you know, when there's all these different stakeholders and you're asking the question, like, what are we here to, to accomplish? Why do we exist? I think it's, it's a matter of kind of all the stakeholders saying like, what is this, the impact that sales and enabling gonna have on the overall organization, but on the area that I, that I come in, for example, right? So if I'm the product marketer, it's gonna be very different than if I am the CRO, for example, right? But they have, because it, it so intersects, and you don't want to just be the cleanup crew um, or the or the jump ball, which happens a lot, unfortunately. Um, if everybody's clear on that mission, it's much it's much easier to say, you know, we're moving in this in this direction, and here's why, and and here's how it impacts the, the relationship you're going to have with our go-to-market teams, and here's how it impacts you know the relationship to the next team. And what I love that you said is include the reps, right? Like they should know and they should understand what it is that you can offer them, why you're doing certain things and not others. I think that's so key and so important because ultimately you exist to make them more successful and they should understand the approach to that. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. One of, my, I, one of the things that I love the most about this, Joe, I love, you know, like you, I've been doing this for a long time and I'm somebody who gets, as you also know, get bored very, very quickly um, the thing that really keeps me excited and loving sales enablement completely is the fact that a lot of our job is to make every other org successful, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So like product marketing is a really good example. Product marketing is brilliant. They are one of our biggest and best partners. Product marketing doesn't always know how to communicate in a way that sales, um, that sales can hear them. Right. So, mm. and the things that they produce is not always necessarily, you know, ready right off the bat to go directly to the customers because it might be too, um, it, it might be too product marketing speak. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so partnering up with product marketing, we have an ability to take, to, you know, help them take all of that great work and make sure that they are really successful with the team. Yeah. Put on the sales yeah. enablement hat for them so that you can take yeah. their, what the resources they're putting out because there's a, there's a, there's a component of enablement that falls under product marketing and yet very often product marketers have never sold, right? right. Or don't really understand or have conversations with customers. So you kind of bring that together and, and, and make it work so that the words can actually come out of the mouth of the you know, go to market human. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's, how, it's really, it's figuring out how do we make product marketing successful? How do we make sales leaders successful? Yeah. Sales yeah. Successful CSM. Like it's just everybody. Each individual team and person ultimately. Yeah. 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 I love that. I love thinking about it like that. So, you know, we're talking, we talked about, you know, being the cleanup crew or the jump ball. And I, and I think one of the things that I see when I work with sales enablement leaders is that many of them are very challenged with being able to set the priorities and stick with them. Right. You know, we set the priorities and, and it, uh, often it comes down from like the CRO set the priorities, but then there's a new priority today, or there's a new, you know, burning fire. And the truth is that 
there are many burning fires out there. But it's but in order, if, in order to, you know, to your point earlier, it, it doesn't happen overnight. And in order to see the success, you kind of have to stick with it. So I'm, I'm really curious to hear what is your advice for a sales enablement team, uh, whether an individual or, or, or a group, to be able to know when to know when to say yes and know when to say no or no not right now or how to how do you prioritize and make sure that you're you're doing the thing that's going to have the biggest impact on the organization ultimately yeah well the first thing i want to say is i just want to acknowledge exactly what you said it's really hard it's really 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 difficult especially since most sales enablement people at the end of the day we like helping yeah we're like that's why we join we do this right (laughs) There's nothing that makes you feel better than saying yes, absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. Um, So on a very practical way of thinking about this, um, I approach this in a couple couple different directions. Um, One, my feeling is that there are some things that we need to hold to. And I also feel that it's also really important that we know when to be flexible, Mm -hmm. where I find some sales enablement I've, there's two different types of sales enablement leaders who fail. The, there's the ones that say yes to everything, they fail. Um, and then there's the ones that say no to everything um, mm-hmm. that isn't mm-hmm. on their, their, their list. Yeah. And they fail as well, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, sales knows how to get around. <laughs> and yeah. if they need to get around you, they will. <laughs> so, or something shifted in the business, right? And, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. In which case, what's, what are you doing? If our job is to enable success and we're not actually helping, we're not actually helping them do that, then what's, what's the point, right? So, um, very practically, I'd like to, and it's funny, I'm actually in the process of doing this right now, um, for, uh, for my, for my new job, right? The first thing I always like to do is what is the roadmap, right? Mm -hmm. And I like to create a roadmap that has priorities and it's visible to everybody who can see it. Any suggestions, asks, wants, needs, all of it gets added to the roadmap. Um, does it all get to the what I'm going to work on? <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's, I need to have everything in one place of here are all of the needs of the organization. Um, I usually like to talk, take a couple of projects and those couple of projects that we have ways to verify success, kind of the one, two, three priorities of the roadmap for a quarter or for whatever time frame, uh, those are pretty much, those are unmovable unless the entire company has shifted for a very specific mm-hmm. reason. Like there's a, I don't know, a global pandemic. Uh, no, <laughs> that would never happen. Right, and it's requiring some immediate shifts. Then like you- are all locked up in our houses for a few months <laughs> and we can't go to work? Oh, that. Well, and like a really like a, my, my favorite example on this is I feel like the pandemic is making us sell better because you actually have to think about who needs your stuff and who's not yeah. going to pick up the phone, right? Yeah, I, I think I so agree with you. Your discovery has to be more on point. Your value selling has to be more on point. Your outreach has to be more on point. It's just, it forces you to just get really good at what you're doing. Yeah. So if that's the case, and if you know that, for example, that, you know, that your team doesn't know how they don't, they, if you go up to a random rep and ask them whether it's a seat, uh, SDR or an AE, and you say, you know, Hey, what's our ideal company profile. And if they can't answer, mm-hmm. we need a shift <laughs> and make mm-hmm. sure that, first of all, that our, our ICP today is the same as it was before pandemic. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and, I, and it has shifted in in some cases. It's shifted a lot. I think the yeah. companies that are going to do really well are going to be the ones that can can actually change the their entire sales force, go after those people, and then the tone of selling has got to change too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when you have you know everybody locked up in their houses and you have you know entirely new stresses of buyers who have you're trying to homeschool their kids at the same time and like there's all of these things that are happening if you come across in a super aggressive no empathy no customer centric point of view those buyers are probably not going to react so nicely back right yeah. you might you yeah. might by accident because you haven't thought about what is the tone of your sales methodology and your sales process and your sales messaging you might piss off customers for long beyond past the pandemic. They will remember that experience. And the opposite, true. You're there for them now, whether you sell or don't sell, whether they, I should, I should rephrase that, whether they choose to buy or not, but you're there for them in some way to support them or even just be understanding of, of them not being able to sell right, to purchase right now. They'll remember you when, when this is all over because this will be over. And it Maybe is not as fast as we want, but they will remember you, good or bad. Yeah, absolutely. In a genuine way, right? So it's not yeah. like, you know, we're here for you because yeah. we all know that that's not true. But actually yeah. just knowing how to have a human-to-human -human interaction, sales rep, it's such a basic thing. Yeah. Do you know what I have found? Um, I've been doing a lot of uh, coaching uh, sales calls or listening to sales calls through call intelligence um, uh, software. And I find that salespeople really mean it when they ask, how are you right now? And I freaking love that. <laughs> Like we start our calls and we say, how are you? And we're, we're not, it's not just like, how are you? It's how are you, you know? And it's just, and then you listen and you hear, it changes the whole direction of the call because we're, we're humans and people buy from people, right? And selling is humans. And it's just, that's one of the, uh, to me, a silver lining on all this is like, we're really caring about each other. Yeah. I agreed. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think your your example of the pandemic is a perfect example of, you know, you, you set it on a priority January 1st or February 1st, whenever your fiscal year started, and then came March 1st, and all right, let's start again, right? It's or March 15th or wherever it was where you lived. And and I think that's a perfect example of when sales enablement team has to shift. Um, and maybe, you know, what I've been trying to coach some of the people that I work with or my own work is when, when things change so overnight and like one, one change that a lot of people, uh, you know, they went from being a workforce of everybody came into the office each day to being a hundred percent remote for the foreseeable future. And the way you enable people that are remote are very different than the way you enable people sitting in, in, in an office. And it, it doesn't have to be perfect, right? Sales enablement. I think we try to be, I know I can speak for myself. I, I like when things are perfect, but at the end of the day, get it out there work with product marketing if the messaging has to shift it doesn't have to have the exact perfect words it has to be it has to just be good enough right and and it doesn't mean that you get sloppy it means that you realize like oh we're shifting everything overnight and let's get agile with this and and continue to iterate it and i'm curious if you agree with me or if you have a little bit of a different perspective there and how you would you know handle that like oh shit moment everything's just changed yeah no i think that anything that it so the way that I think about it is, is what is, so the shift, the change that is being asked for, or the change that you notice, what's the impact? Is the impact on the company? Is the impact on a, on a, on a region, on a segment, on a team, right? So an example of a change that won't shift my roadmap is a sales manager coming to me and saying, hey, we need to do more discovery because my team is struggling with that. That probably won't shift the roadmap. Um, that gets added to the roadmap 
and I'll check to see if other teams are also facing the same thing, right? And if it's facing other teams as well, then that might shift the roadmap. Mm. Um, when you say roadmap, you mean the sales enablement roadmap, not, not the product roadmap. Yeah, sales, sales, sales enablement uh, roadmap. Yeah. Um, but if it's, if it's something that is impacting the entire company, if it's impacting the an entire geo or region, if there's a big impact to revenue up or cost, or, or uh, um, cost down, then that's what will actually make me start thinking about what do we need to shift? What do we need to do in order to help with whatever that problem is? Yeah, that goes back to how you started, right? It's why do you exist? You're here to, to impact the revenue, right? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So if it's something like we now have an entire sales force that is working from home and maybe 10% of them have done that before, then yes, that's that. How do we work from home effectively will probably be shifted as a priority or as a program or as a course or whatever you're doing versus something else, which is not as impact, it's not going to impact the company the same exact way right now. So, oh, big picture, big picture. What is, what is the impact of me actually doing this? Yeah. And I think too, you know, going back to what you said earlier is be a partner and be part of the strategy. And if you are a partner to, to the CRO and to sales leadership or to the go-to-market leadership and part of the strategy, you're going to be part of that big picture, right? You're not just a cleaner upper or jump ball. You're the, you're, you're a piece of that puzzle and you'll understand because you're a part of all that. And pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, you know, I think that one of the things that we can also do depending on the size of your company, but I think at least as an influencer, one of the things that we can influence is the speed of change that's, that we're mm. trying to make sales go through. What I often mm. find, especially with startups, is that change, the speed of change is so fast that salespeople are like, you know, dogs running after, after a ball. They're just running left and right and back and forth. They're just running as fast as they can. They're trying. They're really trying. Yeah. But we're not giving them a chance to be successful because mm. they're just constantly changing directions. Mm -hmm. So another area that I see that we can have a lot of impact is helping to slow down the pace of change so mm. that the changes are actually adopted by the teams mm -hmm. and we're fully seeing the success as that, as that we expected from that change, right? Yeah. And that always comes down to you know, is sales, in, and I'd love your opinion on this, is sales, you know, what does sales enablement have influence over versus what does sales enablement have authority over, mm -hmm. right? Because I feel like we often think, <laughs> my personal opinion is, is that there's very little that we have actual true authority over. There's a whole lot that we have a lot of influence over. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting thing. I think, you know, one of the things that I that I think about a lot is being that, and maybe it comes from my experience having been in sales myself, is I always try to put on the head of the salesperson. How is this change going to impact them? Is it the right time of month, quarter, week, year, day? You know, what else is on their plate? And, you know, when you, somebody asked me recently, you know, how many hours of training should we be doing a week? I was like, how many hours are you taking them off the floor a week, right? What else do they, what are the stresses do they have? You know, to your point earlier, like, are, are even today you have to ask yourself you know are they how many what percentage of this, these reps are also being third grade math teachers you know to their children that are sitting right next to them today and what can they handle and how how and how have we given them a chance not to just make it like the 
the change of the week because then they just shut it off. So really putting on the hat of the people that you're there to enable and then being that voice back to the other groups, whether it's CRO or the product marketer or whoever to say, yes, I understand that you really want to get this new messaging out or this new pricing out, but is it the right time to do that today, right now? with everything else we have going on, because I feel like enablement has the view into all of that. And really in a way, you know, something that I've always done, and maybe like I said, it's because I am a salesperson and have always been a salesperson at heart, that I, I have so much empathy for what comes along with that and making sure that there's somebody that's an advocate to say, yeah, that, that's just, that just is not fair to the team right now. Or no, this is the perfect time, let's do it. Yeah, so it's, yeah, no, 100%. And the like to your point i always think of us as we're the guard dogs for yeah for the team right it's yeah um and it's which is which is also its own challenge you know because people come to you i mean this happens to all of us in sales enablement somebody has a thing that they that they've worked really hard on and they want to do a training for the sales team um and like they've put so much work and effort into it and it it is an important project does it need a training Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe not, you know, mm -hmm. maybe what it needs is an email. Maybe mm -hmm. it needs a one sheet. Maybe not everything, not everything is a training. Yeah. Uh, and I think that to your point is where sales enablement should have authority, right? Yeah. To say, yeah, that's great. This is how we're going to get the team enabled on it. Yep. And then yeah. the, the trick to it, you know, that the next, the next part of that is making sure that you're maintaining the relationships with all those subject matter experts for coming out with all these things that help the sales team who, you know, it's, it, it can, you have to be, you have to be careful with those relationships so that, that it doesn't come across like you're saying that what they created isn't worth the salespeople's time. And they are key, incredible um, keys to this puzzle, right? We need the, the, these partnerships to be able to, for the team to be able to, for the sales team or the go-to-market team to be able to succeed. Yeah. It just, it just might need to be, I, I think the, the example that I always think about is um, uh, like a museum curator, right? The, you need the, the like, I'm going to use the example of like, uh, we're in San Francisco, the SF MoMA, right? They do uh, such a great job of taking art and streaming it together that there's this fantastic story right? You, they couldn't do that without the artist, but they also couldn't do it without the curator who put together the story, right? So I think of that as, you know, maybe the product marketer is the artist in this case, and then the, the enablement person makes it so that the salesperson can, can share this fantastic thing that they, or understand or, or uh, articulate this fantastic thing that the marketer put together. Or even more and that's when the you know the, the the orchestra plays and it sings and it's beautiful and I'm yeah. mixing up all our analogies here, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, but absolutely that's that's so so very true. And part of it's also it's it's part of the guard dogging the salespeople's time is to make sure that all the stuff that we give to them they actually have yeah. brain the the brain power to remember. Yeah, and to go back to your one of your very very early points to make sure that so that it works. Right. And, and that they have time to, to try it on and experiment with it and make it their own, because otherwise you don't really ever know was the effort even worth it. Yeah. No, I remember I was actually and it's so funny thinking about this now because I was such a brat. Uh, but I remember or like early on when I was a sales rep going to a manager and saying, <laughs> I, I said, I will go to that training, but you have to lower my quota because you're making it harder for me to sell. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs>
Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it has to be 10 X, right? They have to be able to see like, this will actually make you sell even more. Yeah. And don't make me sit through 30 hours of training in a 40 hour week. Cause I don't have, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm here to sell, right. I'm here to drive revenue. I always, I always, I always have me, the bratty sales rep in the back of my head when we do training. Like, yeah. Yep. Like would, would I, would I be that person? Yeah. Putting money yeah. In or taking money out. Let's put money in. And how do we show them? How do we make sure they understand that it's, that it's for their own good? Yeah. Yeah. This is, this has been such a great conversation. I really appreciate it. And I, I did want to take you, you, you referenced your sassy sales workshop um, that you've designed. And I think it's one of the best out there for sales and and professional. Could you tell us a little bit more about it and how someone um, who might be interested could learn more? Yeah, so, so Sassy Sales Enablement is part of Sassy Sales Management, Sassy Sales Leadership, run by Matt Cameron. And it is, as far as, I, as, far as I've been able to find, it is the first, um, the first workshop that is designed for sales enablement professionals. Um, as it is, I, I think there might be one or two other programs out there, but I haven't seen much. Sales enablement, I think, is really fascinating because you have to have, like, <laughs> the amount of knowledge that you need mm-hmm. in great sales enablement is so vast that it can take a very long time to learn everything that you need. So I just kind of, I created a workshop that I wish I had had when I got, mm. you know, when I, not only when I first started sales enablement, but five years into it, even today, I would go to a program like this because you don't have that many opportunities to take a step back and really think about what are you trying to, what are you trying to develop, you know, in your organization? So it is intended for individual contributors as well as for leaders. Um, we have an awful lot of armies of one come to the program um, since there are so many, so many very, very small sales enablement organizations. Um, and we have everything from series A all the way through public companies attending the courses. And it is, it's sort of, it's the soup to nuts. What do you need in order to develop a really strong sales enablement program and, um, internally? Yeah. One of the things that I hear from people that have gone through it too, especially for the armies of one is that they, they're meeting other people that are doing what they're doing and the, the, you know, the camaraderie that comes out of it and, and the excitement that comes out of that, because sometimes you're, you know, especially, you know, in sales enablement, you could be the only one in the building that knows anything about enablement. And then all of a sudden you're in a room with other people who also know something about it. And it just, and then there's so many different ideas because there's so many different ways to do things and to, you know, to, to your point earlier, it depends on your stage of your company. And, and, and I think sales enablement people, we like to share our ideas right and so uh, that's that's another tremendous benefit which is why i think you know going even if you've been doing enablement for a few years go again because or go now because you'll you'll meet other people too and and be able to you know have those conversations i'll tell you my my greatest fear for sales enablement is that we are if we are not able to actually drive results we are going to end up being much like hr is looked at right? Where mm. it's, yeah, no, yeah, sure. You kind of have to hire that role, but you know, like you don't have to listen to them. They're not really your strategic partner either. Mm. Um, that scares me. What scares me much more than that is if we have so many armies of one that if we're not learning from each other fast enough. Mm-hmm. So yeah. thing that we can do to learn what's working, what's not working on a very, you know, on a very tactical basis. What does your onboarding program look like? What does that person's onboarding program look like? How do you measure the success of a program? I feel like the fa- the more that we share and what, yeah. I, what I love about sales enablement is that we are for the most part 
I always tell, I always tell, <laughs> I always tell my, my attendees um, that what they should do is they should go to LinkedIn, find people in sales and enablement that they don't know, reach out and set up a, set up a coffee. Mm. And my feeling is, is that if somebody would say no to that, not to a sales, we're not talking about sales pitch. We're talking about a peer to peer, having a conversation about sales enablement. They, that person might not be somebody who should be in sales enablement. And know? so now it would be a Zoom meeting or right. a, some, right. some sort of online. We're not right. going to actually meet for coffee for the foreseeable future, but yes. Yeah. You know, let's have a conversation of what's working and what's not working. So sales, you know, sassy sales uh, enablement, part of that is, is helping to bring people together so that they can have those conversations. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's brilliant. And I love that you do it. And that's part of why we're doing this podcast, right? It came out of people reaching out saying, okay, now that we can't go have coffee, I want to hear from other people. People and you know this was another way to do it but I I so love that we have your voice in this uh, workshop and and I'm so glad that it's something that it, that is available and I highly 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 recommend uh, that people attend and, and check it out so thank you for for what you do for the community in that um, I really really appreciate this conversation and the perspective and um, you know kind of even just coming back to reminding like why are we why do we exist and how are we going to impact the the productivity and the revenue? And what are the what are the roadblocks that we could remove? And some what are some of the causes of the things that we need to do? Just like really going back to basics is really what's going to help to 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 keep the direction and keep people moving forward. COVID or no COVID, right? Pandemic or no pandemic. So so really really great perspectives. And on that note, I want to thank you so much for your time today and for the wisdom that you shared. And I think this is an incredibly important topic and at a, at a really critical time. And uh, I'm so grateful that we have your mind and your voice in the sales enablement community. As we close out today's episode, we would like to thank purpleplanet.com for our music production. And we thank you for listening. We encourage you to get in touch with us with any requests for future topics, any questions that you have, or just to say hello. We can be found at level213.com. That's L-E-V-E-L. And then the digits 213.com. Or you can always find us on LinkedIn as well. Have a great day.